Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your go-to resource for all things pipeline and revenue production in the tech sales world. Technology marketing, sales development, sales, and revenue operations have combined to create the go-to market engine fueling the success of SaaS startups and established companies alike. Each week, the Sales Development Podcast dives deeply into the strategies, tactics, people, processes, and technology that fuels the revenue machine. The Sales Development Podcast is brought to you by Tenbound. Get more free resources, insights, and intelligence today at tenbound.com. And be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Tech Stack Consolidation. Nicholas and Frank Dale, thank you for joining me today. How are you guys doing? Great, thanks. It's great. Yeah, great to see you both. We're so excited to dive in. There's been a tremendous amount of consolidation happening and new developments happening in your space. Frank, we want to dive in and understand how SalesLoft is thinking about this and helping customers today. First and foremost, how did SalesLoft initially get started and what was the pain point that it was solving? Yeah, so if we look about, uh, we look at essentially where we started to where we got today. We started as sales workflow and primarily around prospecting. And and that's actually an important place to start because if you look at most technology, whether it's for sales or other industries, what's really kind of fascinating is you see the same patterns over and over and over again. Technologists typically just observes what somebody is doing in the real world, and then we give them a digital equivalent. And usually that's great. Like if you stop there, it makes people really, really productive. And that is how sales off started. We started by looking at just what do people do when they prospect? I mean, when I started my career, I started in sales. What did I have? Like I'm old enough that I had like post-it notes and notebooks and then eventually like a spreadsheet and then Salesforce came along. All of those things were basically digital equivalents of analog stuff. So when SalesLoft started, it was exactly like that. We gave you a way to make phone calls, send emails, and kind of organize who you were going to reach out to from a prospecting standpoint and then do it effectively at scale. In the past, you were able to connect with 10 accounts per day or 15 or 20 with sales loft, you could connect to 100, but do so in an authentic way in a single day. That was a big win, but we've evolved well past that. I'm sure you will get into that today. Mm -hmm. That was the initial value proposition that really took off with sales loft in that it was taking all these different post-it notes and (laughs) spreadsheets and stuff like that. Because I'm from back in those days too. I totally remember that. And it was a quantum leap forward to have it all organized in one space. It really was. And I'll tell you, I I joined SalesLoft through acquisition. I was the founder of what is the deals and forecast product. We bought SalesLoft and I remember using it as a customer. As I mentioned, I'd started my career in sales. And then when I started my company, guess what? I was back in sales. I was no longer just a product person again. And I helped do a lot of our early sales. And so I used SalesLoft. And I remember the difference between me and the early 2000s with my Post-it notes and my Excel sheet and eventually Salesforce trying to prospect and generate opportunities. And then me with SalesLoft, it was magical. I could suddenly reach 10 times the number of potential customers and then I could measure all of it. And I could understand what was working and not working. And it was just a sea change and the way sales was done. And I remember thinking, where has this been my entire life? And I think that's still true for our customers. But the reality is anytime you build a great product, if the market still has a lot of needs, they ask you to do more. That's exactly what's happened with SalesLoft. 
at the inception, you were very focused on inside sales and prospecting. Yeah. At which point have you started to break and start to address other salespeople, in particular as sales evolves and becomes more of a team sport? Can you explain us what was the journey you went through breaking out of inside sales to address the broader sales community? Yeah, we've done it in a progression path effectively. So we're the first in our space to do this. We had a conversation intelligence to sales loft. So they did that through acquisition. We brought that in because sales loft was doing a fabulous job of helping people create meetings and create opportunities. And one of the next questions you immediately get as a sales leader is, how do I know if those are going well? Like, how do I know if those are going well? Because one of the things I want to do is we have more opportunities now. I want to understand how we make more of them progress. Adding conversation intelligence to sales loft and integrating it. So all of those calls that we were helping people make and the Zoom meetings we were helping them get set up that we could now capture that and start to hear what the buyer was doing. Because if you go back to the beginning of sales loft, one of the revolutionary pieces was that we now could actually capture all of the activity that a seller was doing. And that never happened in the past. In the analog world, you couldn't do that. You could not understand what the seller was doing. And now we could do that. So the next question was, well, what about my buyer? And that's really where conversation intelligence came in. We could understand those calls. We could transcribe them. And then we could start to provide data and insights around how the calls were going. Once we started to do that, people said, okay, but now you're helping me create more opportunities You're helping me start to optimize some of the ways that I'm interacting with these buyers when we're in real time with them on a phone call or on a Zoom call. How do I manage the deal? Because deal management is kind of project management in some ways. There's a strategy piece. There's a consulting piece where we're going to help the buyer get aligned internally. And then there is, there's just some project management piece. There's a bunch of steps you have to do. And that created the need to acquire an opportunity management and a forecasting product and to kind of thoroughly integrate that into what we do. That's really, in my case, where I joined the story. And that came in right at the end of 2019. So just a little bit ahead of the pandemic that we all went through. That turned out to be a really important piece because when you put those three things together, what you have is a platform for execution. One of the things that I've noticed in my career that's always been really interesting is in other product categories, other industries, marketing is a great example. And you have like the sales tech landscape behind you and there's a lot of logos there and there were fewer when I started. (laughs) In the marketing landscape, it's like 10 times that. And it's 10 times that because marketers tend to have much more defined workflows. Like you have an SEO specialist, you have an email marketing specialist. You might have somebody whose job is programmatic advertising. Well, if we go look at what a seller does all day, every day, they engage in lots of different workflows. They're generalists. And I mean that in the best sense of the word. Going from one point solution to the next point solution is actually problematic. And in fact, we have data around this. And I think it's roughly around only 21% of a seller's day is actually spent doing the thing that they want to do and that you want them to do. And that's talking to your customer. And part of the problem there is when you have all of these digital tools that were supposed to make them faster, but you're going from one app to the next app to the next app, and those things aren't integrated, it was actually kind of slowing them down. By bringing the capabilities that I mentioned, like engagement workflows, plus conversation intelligence, plus the opportunity management forecasting workflows together in one platform, you suddenly could actually mimic what people were trying to do because I could do my entire end-to-end workflow in the same place and the data matched up the whole way through. 
And that was revolutionary because now we were capturing even more of what the seller was doing, but we were also getting even more of what the buyer was doing because we're getting all those responses and those other good things. Very interesting. And I give sales love a lot of credit from being one of the first focused on usability. I recall your founder stepping up on multiple occasion and being very vocal about making sure that those tools can be completely utilized and by that mean driving adoption. So I've noticed that you were, I think we were one of the first to introduce the dialer. <laughs> it was almost a year after you introduced your cadence email product, immediately the dialer got bundled in and later with a few other things. So maybe you can explain from a product standpoint, what's the philosophy that is ingrained in the company to make sure that all those features that you're adding and you describe some of them can be usable and avoid this cluttering and complexities of sellers' workflows. Yeah. I think to anybody that's sold before in their life, like what I'm about to say is going to make a lot of sense. Sellers can make great product people for this reason, because a great seller doesn't just take the first thing the prospect says to them as the actual problem you're solving. They ask great questions to understand why the prospect wants it, because usually the answer to that question is what you are actually being asked to partner with them to go deliver. It's the result. It's the outcome. Let's anchor on that for one second. So when we go build product at SalesLoft, we use a very similar construct. We just call it jobs to be done. And a job to be done isn't, I need to upload accounts into my CRM or upload accounts into SalesLoft. Those are tasks. Those are things you do. The thing you need to really understand to build a great product, a really usable product, is you have to ask why people want those things. Like, what are you trying to achieve and why? And then you anchor anything you build on that because the second you do that, that is when you start to look at, okay, what are they really trying to achieve? And you can start to build a very, very usable product. That's where you start to realize that the customer may not be asking me to integrate some of these things, but now that I know what you're trying to achieve, I understand that time is money for you and that the longer it takes for you to find the information you need write a really great summary email from a conversation that you've had and get it out to the customer, the less likely you are to win the deal. Because part of what you're trying to do when you send, let's say, a recap email, recap email is a task. We've all done it. You get off a call, you send a recap email to a customer. Part of what you're trying to do there is not just follow up and remind them of action items. It's demonstrate that A, I have listened and B, help us project manage to the next stage of the deal. And if I do that in a timely manner, not only am I communicating that I've listened to you, I'm communicating that we are credible and reliable and we can be trusted to do things when we say we'll do them. Because it turns out, by the way, and we've looked at the data, most sellers don't follow up on time. So when you understand that and you understand what the seller is trying to do, so instead of saying, okay, I'm going to build a feature, do a recap email. Now I understand the real job there is I need to help you demonstrate that you understand their problem, that you follow up in a timely manner, and are therefore a trustworthy and credible partner. Well, then I start to ask very different questions when I build the product. What takes so long for you to write these emails? What are all the things I can do to get out of the way? What are all the unnecessary steps? And then you start to invent, in our case, things like our post-call summary email feature. In our Rhythm product, our AI-powered workflow, we know when you have a meeting, when the meeting ends, if you've recorded it using our conversation intelligence product, we tee up a follow-up email for you, but we don't just tee it up. We take the transcript that we got from that meeting. We pull out a summary. 
we pull out the action items for you using AI. And we put that in that email for you. And we put it at the top of your list of things to do. And we let you edit it and hit send. And as a result, what do we see? We see people following up within like an hour of a meeting. You know, I heard this. I was in London last week meeting with some customers. One of my customers told me prior to that particular set of capabilities, a seller could do two, maybe three meetings a day. Now their sellers can do five and sometimes six. And they're following up consistently every time. The key to building a really usable product is one, understanding what people really want to do and then actually caring about them. You hear us talk about at SalesLoft, we actually like sellers. Unfortunately, there are people in the world that don't. I do. I love sellers. I love serving sellers. My team loves serving sellers. Everyone in our company loves serving sellers. So we put care into what we do and we try to really understand what they want and then we deliver on that. Yeah, yeah, it's good that you remind people that I think you're calling your user conference sales love, <laughs> which is a way to share your philosophy <laughs> about the market. So, okay. In June, and by the way, I love the job to be done. I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's very, very powerful approach. It's very exciting to see it in action. So in June, you almost relaunched a company introducing an AI-powered revenue workflow platform and a key element that you briefly mentioned, rhythm. <laughs> so let's take a step back and can you give us the big picture view of the platform, which is much more than the sum of the parts that we went through when you listed the different steps and zoom on rhythm because it's very central and particularly unique. Yeah. Well, it comes from really two things. So if you go back to the jobs to be done construct, if you do that the right way, so we stop thinking about tasks and start thinking about what people want to achieve, you start asking the right questions. When I see peers, and I'm in a bunch of different groups with product leaders who are in other companies and other product categories, when I see them struggle or ship the wrong thing, it's because instead of anchoring on what customers are really trying to do, they anchor on the product categories that they're in. And they say, hey, I've got a product that does this, and I've got a second product that does that. And therefore, I only think of features and capabilities related to that product. I don't ask the real question, which is what are people trying to do? We don't think of it that way. Like while the market might say that we have certain product categories, we think about problems. What are customer problems that need to be solved? And what are jobs that need to be done? Because when you do that, you think in a much more broad way. And the example I gave a second ago is a great example, which was our post-meeting follow-up workflow. If we were just thinking about conversation intelligence, we'd never have integrated with email. If we were just thinking about email, we would never have thought to bring in the transcript. You have to think about the problem the right way. And because we think that way, one of the things that we were noticing is when meeting with sales leaders and with buyers and sellers is that buying was becoming more complex. We're all kind of experiencing that to, I would say, an even greater degree right now. Like most of the people that I serve CFO or whoever the designate is now in the deal. So if you used to have five people in your deal, you've got six. If you used to have seven, you have eight or nine or 10. We closed an enterprise deal the other day that had 32 stakeholders. It is getting more complex. And if you go back to the history of sales technology, not just sales lot, but the way others started, we started, as I mentioned, we all started in the same way. We watched what you did in the real world and we gave you a digital equivalent. And that was great, except it was very seller focused. And the problem is in a world where buying is more complex, we now need that buyer workflow, what's going on when you're not in the room to inform the seller workflow for you to be successful. We decided to build the world's first signal to action engine. And what that just means is that we ingest 
all of the activity we can see from sales lot, from the seller, plus the way the buyers respond. So do they respond to your text messages? Do they go to your meetings? Do they respond to your emails? And from partners. So if you share a video through Vidyard, we will know. If you share a resource through a seismic or a high spot, we will know. And we take all of that buyer information, even when the seller's not in the room, and we built an AI model taking all of that combined data to then guide seller workflow to help them know how to prioritize what to do next. And so we built the world's first AI-powered sales workflow platform. And its job is really simple. It's to help people hit their goals. If my goal is to just create opportunities because I work at the top of the funnel, it helps me prioritize based on the people most likely to convert based on the data that we see. If my job is to close deals or renew revenue, we do the same thing. We take a look at your deals. We understand which ones are strong and which ones are weak because we have the most complete data set of anyone out there. And then we help you prioritize your day. That was the second step. And if you want, in a second here, we can get into the third step, which is where we're going next year. Well, I can't wait for here to, yeah. <laughs> to hear from it. Where do I sign? Just taking it as a practical example, if I'm a sales rep, what would my day look like? I've got some deals in the pipeline. I need to do some prospecting. I have a list of things to do. How would it help me to prioritize all that? Yeah. So, and I stole this from one of my customers, which is why I learned everything. He is so right. Time management is everything in sales. That is the truth. I remember that when I sold. It is everything. And it is yet everything and nothing. And the reason I say that is nothing is because most people struggle with it. Like as humans, it is really hard for us to know how to optimize our time. And yet it is the most important decision we make every day. Bar none. Where you invest your time is the most important decision you make every day. And if you are in sales, you have so many things competing for your attention. If I come in in the morning and I'm the average seller, I may have somewhere between 20 and 40 opportunities that I'm trying to juggle. Each one of those could have six or seven stakeholders, if not more. And I have a bunch of project management associated with that. And by the way, if I'm responsible for prospecting, now I'm not only managing this portfolio of deals, I also have to figure out how to balance my time. So the next quarter is a good quarter too. And most people really struggle with that. I know when I was a seller, I did. I had like a good quarter, and then I had a rebuilding quarter. And then I had a good quarter and a rebuilding quarter because it was not easy for me to do that. What we do is we take all that data that I mentioned. And as a seller, you just come into sales loft, you come in in the morning and we have for you, we call it our rhythm list. And it is an AI prioritized action list. We look at all of the pipeline that you've got. And then if you prospect and close, we also look at how much pipeline you need to have for the next quarter. And we give you a prioritized set of actions. So that if I have time before meetings start in the morning, I come in and it's preloaded for me. It tells me exactly why we're recommending an action. So it could be, hey, David responded to my email overnight. This is an in-flight deal. It's late stage. Here's why we think you should respond. I click on it. It takes me to where I need to go. The next task in the queue, and it's literally a list, and we're just going to load it and we're going to take them where they need to go throughout the app. I don't have to think about where to go next. I don't have to think about what's most important to do. We're using machine learning. It is constantly updating and we're giving them what is most important now. And the results are working, by the way, because what we're seeing is for sellers that use this, they're getting 20 to 30% more activities done in a day and their outcomes are better. That's the most important thing. If I'm a prospector and that's the only thing I'm doing, they're booking more meetings and creating more opportunities. If I am an AE, so I just close deals. 
They are closing more deals. They're hitting their number in a way that they were not in the past. And if I both prospect and close, they're covering off on both because it turns out knowing what is the most important thing to do is one of the most important pieces of information for any seller. So it is a, in some ways, a really complicated product to build, but a very simple concept to explain. Amazing. And I've got one follow-up to that is I think goal setting is so important in being able to build back and reverse engineer what the high priorities will be is step one, being able to set the goals for the sales team and the SDRs, getting it in the system. And then it's almost like the rhythm will take care of itself to be able to prioritize the activities of the salespeople. Ideally, yeah. We have some people that, believe it or not, don't give us goals to start. And so then what we look at is, okay, how do we help prioritize your time between how much you need to prospect and how much you need to close? And if typically, usually when we see teams not give us goals, it's because somebody has a very defined role. They're only responsible for the top of funnel portion, or they're only responsible for mid funnel. In other words, they're just here to close once an opportunity is created. In those cases, then we're just prioritizing based on what is most likely to convert. In other cases, though, where they are giving us goals, then we can start to do the more complex work, which is, okay, how do we balance it so that if David is selling, he's going to make sure that he hits this number for the quarter, the deals you have to close, but we have enough pipeline for the next quarter as well. It's so important. And it seems crazy to think they wouldn't be able to give you the goals that they have, especially in sales. You should really, folks, you got to know what your goal is in order to hit it. But I digress. That's an amazing advancement. It's sort of the holy grail of being able to have a co-pilot like guiding you and telling you what to do throughout the day in order to be able to hit your number. Yeah. We tend to, like when we conceive of like, what's the personality for the product? We like to think of it. It's kind of like the grizzled, but helpful vet in the sales room sitting next to you and just saying, Hey, you might really want to call this person right now, or this deal might be getting off track. It's probably time that you reach back out to this person. And here's why I think you should reach out to it. And on an individual deal, the truth is a lot of sellers know what to do. The problem is in the modern environment, we're asking them to cover so much ground. And in particular, right now, where teams have gotten a little bit smaller and companies are pushing for everyone to be a little more productive, at the same time that the selling environment is difficult, getting something that's going to be a co-pilot that's going to ride along with you to help you just manage all of those competing demands is a lifesaver. It is a lifesaver. And we're seeing it in the results. Yep. Okay. So I want to ask you about what's coming up, but if somebody has a platform similar to what you're describing, but they're saying it doesn't have these additional features, how hard is it to switch from one of the larger sales engagement platforms over to SalesLoft? I know it depends on the size of the company and how complex it is, but what's that process like? Yeah, great question. So one of our values here is customer first. And in fact, it is our first value. So we put the customer at the center of everything that we do in the company. And that means we have invested in a way that is, I'll just say, others have not done in our space around services and support to help people come over. Like the other thing you're going to notice, by the way, is if you are working with our team, the conversations are fundamentally different. So when our team talks to a potential customer, what we are talking about is what are the business outcomes that you're trying to achieve? And then we build a business case with them so that both they and we clearly understand what needs to happen for us to help you generate those outcomes. So that means when it is time for you to transition over, we're not giving you a cookie cutter way to 
use Sales Loft. We're saying, okay, given that this is the way your team operates, and by the way, you may have teams operating in a different way. You may have a commercial sales division, for instance, and the prospecting motion and the closing motions or the renewal motions there, they could be very different than, let's say, an enterprise motion in a different part of your team. We're going to implement in a way that matches the way that you're actually trying to execute. And then we're going to port the necessary data over in a way that is not going to create interruptions to your business. But most importantly, we're doing all of it because we are aligned and they are aligned around a partnership. And that partnership is to generate outcomes. And the goal is ultimately, no one wants technology. Like I like making technology. I love being a product person, but simple truth is nobody wants anything I make. You don't really want that. What you want are the outcomes. You want a healthier pipeline. You want to close the deals that will help you hit the target you set with your company. You want to renew the revenue. You want to shorten the ramp time for your sellers. You want success. That's what you want. So when you partner with us, everything is anchored around that. And we build the product. Everything is anchored around those outcomes I just mentioned. Like we actually report on them in our product. We're adding even more support for that so you can go into a more granular fashion. So moving over to Sales Loft, we've had companies move two and 3,000 sellers at a time and do it very smoothly and seamlessly. But the only reason that we can do that is we've invested in our team so that we understand very clearly what it is you're trying to achieve and what those business outcomes are. And that we don't just say, hey, this is the sales loft way to do it. And you're just going to operate your business this way now because this is how our software works. We've built our software to say sales teams are going to sell in slightly different ways because no two businesses are exactly the same. So you need to be able to use our software in a way that matches what you're trying to do with your business. And we have a team to support making that happen in our customer organization. And it's easier if you just start with Sales Loft right at the beginning. So if you're a tiny company and you know that you're going to need this type of direction, is there a product that a small company that just got some funding can start with on Sales Loft and then grow from there? Yeah, I'm a great example of that. So when I started my company, we bought a couple of things immediately. We needed a CRM because just like the two of you, I'm a believer in having CRM. There are still some companies out there that are not, which is amazing. I believe in that. We bought a CRM product to start. And then we bought a contract execution product because we needed that, obviously, to be able to execute contracts with the customers. And we bought SalesLoft. So we started our company with that. And when we started with SalesLoft, and I'll tell you what we did, and I'll tell you what we should have done knowing what I know now. When we started, we started with just the prospecting workflow, the cadence engine, because the rhythm piece didn't exist at that point in time. And that was great. And we used to generate opportunities to learn what was working and not working to build pipeline. And I still think to this day, building pipeline is the hardest job in sales. Like The most stressful moment in sales is the cold call, and yet it is often one of the most important ones because it is the start of a relationship. So we use that product to help us generate opportunities. Then we added SalesLoft's conversation intelligence product to allow us to better understand what was landing and not landing when we were on those calls. Knowing what I know today, I would have done both right at the beginning because the lift to implement conversation intelligence is very light. You're talking about basically an hour and getting that extra intelligence around hey, somebody picked up and they answered my cold call, and this is what happens when it goes poorly, and this is what happens when it goes well. It is a massive, massive way to drive impact. It just is because you've put in all of this effort to get someone to pick up or to get someone to meet with you because they've responded. And then what you don't want to do is bundle it 
the second you get into the conversation. So I would start there. And then over time, as you're generating a lot of opportunities, then you might want to look at things like our deals and forecast product. But those two products, 100% the right place to start. And they're thoroughly integrated. You don't have to just buy rhythm right at the beginning. You can still buy it piece by piece as you grow as a company. You can buy some piece by piece. That's a great question. So the good news for you is that even if you're just prospecting, rhythm supports that. So the nice thing is we made it to adjust to whatever the seller's role is. Because again, no two sales orgs are exactly the same. Well, we know there's some fundamentally true things across all of sales, right? Building trust is important. Asking great questions is important understanding the customer's problem deeply and thoroughly, that's important no matter what you sell. All of that is true. When we step past those things, there is a variation from one business to the next. And so the products have to be a little bit different. But when you start prospecting, we built rhythm in such a way that if the only thing I'm doing is generating opportunities, it's still going to help you prioritize because what we're going to do is we're going to look at two things. One, when you are reaching out to people, What's going on? Are they opening your messages? Are they forwarding them? Are they viewing your videos? Are they viewing any of the resources you've shared through a partner? And instead of that particular buyer who might be ready to convert, sitting way late in the cadence. So typically when people build these kind of outbound motions, day one, I'm going to do this. Day five is my next touch or however it is you structured it. That's a great way to do it unless the person is more ready to convert earlier rather than later. And you need an easy way to know that. What Rhythm does for the prospecting portion of somebody's workflow is it recognizes when somebody is more ready than less, and we pull it forward. So even though that person might normally be day five, we recognize on day two, they're really resonating with what you're sharing. We're going to put an action in the top of that queue to reach out to them now. And it's one of the primary reasons We're seeing, certainly on the prospecting motion, such amazing outcomes for our customers. In many cases, we're seeing 20% better outcomes with the same amount of activity. Nicholas, you want to know what's coming out? I think you're reading my leaps. (laughs) (laughs) So amazing progress. What's next, Frank? So let's go back to that progression path I was telling you about. Like You look at the history of sales technology, and, and the way to think of it is almost like a staircase. And when you build each step, it gives you the ability to take people that one step further and it unlocks the ability to build the step that comes next. So when we digitize sales workflow, as I mentioned, while we made people more productive and that is important and awesome, we started to see what sellers were actually doing during the day. And you could start to say, okay, my best sellers, it turns out, do these types of activities. It would actually make a lot of sense to try to get more people on my team to do it. And now I have data to explain why. That's great. Then we built Rhythm, the world's first signal to action engine. It allowed seller workflow to not just be seller-oriented, but also buyer-oriented, where we're pulling in all of the things that the buyer is doing, even when they weren't in the room with you. Well, you put those two things together and you get something really, really important, and that is a massive data set. And it turns out when you want to build an AI model, the thing you absolutely need is a massive data set. You need not just a massive data set, you need a very specific type of data set. And that's a data set that is of a specific type of quality. And what I mean by that is you can't have a bunch of random noise in there or you can't build a usable model. When we built Rhythm, the thing that makes this next step very possible is Rhythm is in many ways, it is a best practices machine. It is a best practices machine because the AI is looking at what is working and not working 
always, and it is updating, and then it is driving excellence across the team through the recommendations that it makes. And what we're seeing in the people that use it is you're getting consistent behavior now across the team because the sellers are learning the recommendations that they're getting, the actions that we're suggesting are making them more successful. Well, it turns out when you can get a team to do things consistently across the entire team and you build a large data set of those actions, which we've done, you can actually derive insights in a way that no one else can. Prior to Rhythm, it was functionally almost impossible to build amazing models for sellers to guide seller action based on what works with the buyer. So we are building the first insights engine for the sales industry. And we're still kind of working on what we're going to name it. As our marketers know, I'm terrible at naming products. So they're going to come up with something great. I'm just going to call it the insights engine right now. (laughs) And the way we think about it is we need to take from this data insights that you can use to drive impact in your business. And I want to explain really quickly what an insight means because we have a very specific definition. I think up until now in sales technology, what we've done is we've given people kind of walls of charts and graphs and analytics. And some of that's great. And some of it is frankly noise. It was basically, we were capturing a lot of data and we could build a chart and we thought people liked charts. I'm using the royal we here for the industry. We were giving it to them. I'll give you an example. I had a commercial sales manager tell me a couple of weeks ago, she was complaining about the state of some of the things that she gets told in conversation intelligence that if one seller, she's like, hey, my team was looking at the insights and they weren't really insightful because you telling me that somebody pauses 15 seconds on a sales call And another one of my sellers pauses for 20 seconds on a sales call. I don't know what to do with that. She's like, unless you can tell me one of those generates a better outcome, one of those leads to more closed deals or more deals moving forward than the other. I don't know if we should coach on that. And we look at that and we don't know what to do next. So that's not an insight. An insight is something that connects to an outcome. Does it help you close a deal? Does it help you book a meeting? Does it help you renew revenue? Does it shorten a sales cycle? That's an outcome. But that alone is not enough to call something an insight. We also have to be able to tell you what action should I take to generate that outcome. Because we have this amazing action engine with rhythm, and we've generated this amazing data set that includes both what the seller does and the buyer does, we can now derive for the first time ever in sales usable insights where we can go back to you and we can say for each step in your process, here are the top three reasons something moves forward. And here are the top three reasons it doesn't. And here are the recommended actions. And we're going to provide those for each role on the team, the seller, the manager, the enabler, the rev ops person, and rev leadership. And then because we have this amazing action engine that we call Rhythm, we're going to take these insights and we're going to use that to power the recommended actions in Rhythm. And what happens is it becomes a flywheel where each action you take helps us generate an even better insight. And that insight gets funneled back into Rhythm, which is our action machine, which generates another insight. And it gets smarter and smarter and smarter. And so the way I like to conceive of that is we are helping revenue teams become winning machines where they are perpetually improving sales organization. So what we are building, and we have started doing this now, is we're building this insights engine and we are connecting it to our action engine, which is rhythm. And I believe that is the future of sales. That is exactly where sales is going. I agree. And I watch too much sci-fi, but I could see in 10 years, you just get rid of the people. <laughs> now you can reduce your headcount expense to the point and just buy sales. 
But I digress. That'll be another podcast. Amazing. <laughs> I want it. How do we get it, Frank? Yeah. So we're very excited to bring it to you. So we're building it now. So Rhythm, as I mentioned, is out now. That is the industry's first AI-powered workflow that is already helping people generate better results. The Insights Engine is coming. We are building that now. You'll start to see some of the first manifestations of that in our spring launch that's coming up in March of this year. You'll see an even bigger delivery point for us around that in June. That's our summer launch. And then we'll continue to progressively release more and more capabilities on top of that just as we do with Rhythm. It is absolutely going to change the world of sales. I mean, the good news is I don't think humans are going away anytime soon. And I don't think they should, by the way, because at the end of the day, selling is one person connecting with another person to solve a problem. That's really what it is. That requires trust and it requires empathy. And I think we are hopefully a very long way away from machines being able to fulfill that role. We take a very pro-human approach at SalesLoft, and we're very bullish on the future of humans in sales. I know that we are sometimes alone on that, but I think it is not true that humans are going to go away in sales. We're going to augment them so that they can do more. Amazing progress. Nicholas, what do you think? I'm digesting all of this. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention at one point, what I found also different in your approach, when you mentioned the signals, you are proactive connecting to other applications that the customer may use. I mean, the buyer of sell-offs, so you mentioned some system and find it both important and smart in terms of building this meaningful data set to both guide the recommended action and all your models. The real question is, okay, Monday morning, what should I do? How do I start? Yes. <laughs> what are the steps for this ambitious journey? <laughs> what do you typically recommend as practical steps for, and most of our listeners, our practitioners, RevOps, how to start? Yeah. So if you're not one of our customers today, and we have over 6,000 of them and growing for the reasons we just talked about, talk to a member of our revenue team and understand that what you're going to get is a partnership. As I mentioned earlier, they're going to come to you and they're not going to talk to you about our product because at the end of the day, that's not why you partner with us. You partner with us to generate outcomes for your business. And when we understand your business, because we ask the right questions and we understand the outcomes that you're trying to deliver, then we build a plan together and we're skilled at it and we can do it quickly. But we also know that in many orgs, you have lots of people that you have to collaborate with because sales, it's a team sport, right? It is about alignment. And what's changed in go-to-market, and I think for the better, and I, I know the two of you believe this because you are coaching and teaching people on this, is that alignment matters. Like the teams that win today, they are aligned from marketing to first touch and sales to close to renewal and expansion. Often what we see with our customers is even if marketing side of the house isn't going to work with us directly, data is going to come from there that you're going to want the sellers to use. And marketing is going to want to know some of the things that we can tell them from the data that we're generating. How well are my campaigns getting followed up on? Which campaigns are successful? Which ones end up turning into revenue? RevOps is going to want to talk to us because, again, we have built our software in a way that is flexible. So what your sales process is, is the process that goes into SalesLoft. We're not going to force you to use a SalesLoft way of doing it. We will absolutely share with you best practices because we support over 6,000 companies and we'll share what we've learned. But we're going to build a plan together, and then that plan will get turned into how you use our product. 
So that is the best way to start. But know that it is a team approach on our end. We'll have multiple people that will support you because ultimately we judge everything here about customer outcomes. So one of the things we haven't talked about is we judge my product team on customer outcomes. So we've built an infrastructure and are continuing to build it. And we're the only ones that have done this, which is mind boggling to me, by the way. We're the only ones that have done this to help us understand that when we release a capability, do customer outcomes improve or do they not? We measure those things. So going back to rhythm, I can confidently tell you that we are seeing teams get 20% better outcomes because we measure it. We measure it. And if a capability is not moving the needle for the customer, if it doesn't shorten the amount of time it takes to do something or increase one of those core outcomes they partner with us to generate, we go back to the drawing board and we keep working on it until it does. And that is a fundamentally different orientation to the way that you work with our customers. And that's just the product team. Our customer organization does the exact same thing. We are all aligned around the outcomes we drive for the customer. It is not about giving you a tool. Tools do not matter. It is about delivering outcomes. And that's how we work here. That's excellent. Jobs to be done. (laughs) That's what we're trying to do. So Frank, thank you so much for coming on and giving us this update. So excited to. Thank you. We could have continued for an hour. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like we're just scratching the surface, but it's absolutely amazing progress. Great understanding of where you are now and really looking forward to seeing what comes out in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's great to see you again. I love your work, as you know. And we're extremely excited. Like I think sales is, I would argue, the hardest profession in business with bar none. And it is one of the most important things that we do and historically has been the least supported. I'm very excited for what we're doing because I know how it impacts people's lives. Like I sold, my dad did it for 40 years when I would dinner table talk for us with sales. Dad would talk about what he did all day as how we put food on our table. And for everyone that we serve, it's the same thing. It is the exact same thing. And it is how they keep people employed at the company that they work for. I'm extremely excited about what we're building because I know that we're going to take something that's really hard and we're going to make it a little bit easier and we're going to help people be more successful. And ultimately, for me personally, and I can tell you this is true for everybody on our product team, we get up in the morning because we are motivated to help people be more successful and happier at work. Because if you can help people be more successful and happier at work, the rest of their life goes well. They're happier at home. They have less stress. They're more involved with their kids. They're more present. I cannot tell you how excited I am to deliver this because I know what it is going to do for our customers. Amen to that. And we'll see you at salesloft.com to get all the information. I think you're going to be hearing from a lot of people. So Frank, thank you so much for coming on. And Nicholas, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.